0: Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. I love that. Look at someone next. You say the presence of the Lord is in this place today. Amen. Have a seat. Welcome everyone to City of Life. Those of you that are watching online, thank you for showing up at church. Who's glad to be at church a week before Christmas? I like how our staff, like, they're trying to be so psychological in the announcements. They're like, and on December 24th, they're not saying Christmas Eve. Yeah, next Sunday is Christmas Eve, it's Christmas Eve. And it's, I know that there's some people that are like, I'm not going to church on Christmas Eve. But for us as believers as Christians, the holidays are built not around just family traditions. They're built around our worship. Uh, that's the purpose of them. So for us, we look at as, look at it as a privilege to be able to honor the Lord and spend time setting our time aside to specifically lift him up during the holidays and, and, and during the Christmas season. That's the purpose and the meaning of them for us. That's what gives them their meaning. You know, the Bible actually says that the traditions of man are worthless. It's interesting, that's an interesting phrase. It's its right out of the Old Testament that goes on to say you can decorate trees and, and make scarecrows in the middle of fields and you can believe one thing is more important than the other. And I'm not using that scripture to say that we shouldn't, you know, we got Christmas trees all over the place. I'm not saying that, you, what what i'm saying is that they're worthless meaning they don't add spiritual value to our lives so it's fine to participate in traditions as long as those traditions do not overtake the purpose and the meaning of christmas and that's why for us a lot of churches you know it's kind of fashionable these days to not have church on christmas or not have church on christmas eve but for us that's why we're here that's why we're we're doing what we do so we can uh yeah, define the meaning of it and, and build our lives around the, the, the meaning of it. So we're going to have church. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I really invite you, yeah, even if you choose not to come, maybe you're going to come to one of the services or you'll come to the morning and the evening. But I will say that our Christmas Eve service at 5 p.m. is a truly, truly special uh, time. It's, it's probably one of my favorite services that we do. Um, everyone leaves there and goes to their family traditions, which are you know, unique to each household. But that's a really, really special night. We look forward to having you. With us here i've got something for you today um, we're in part two did you guys enjoy our christmas musical last week did you like the christmas concert city of life a beautiful christmas how about a big hand for all of our cast and crew and our tech team i don't even know if we thank the tech team but those guys worked so hard were so excellent in everything they did our volunteers really went over and above to make it a beautiful wonderful day, and and I I just thought it was uh, amazing. I'm glad to be continuing in our series today, Uh, Journey to the Manger. Pastor Justin started it off two weeks ago. We talked about a journey to the manger, the crisis, and then today we're gonna talk about the Christ, and then part three, which will be next week, we'll talk about the child. And so today I have uh, the privilege of kind of looking at the whole meaning of Christmas, moving toward uh, the birth of Jesus, and looking at some of the messianic prophecies that existed prior to Jesus being born so Christmas is a really powerful day Uh, what it's become has become powerful for us as Christians but really what it represented at the time was almost unthinkable the idea that God was sending a person a savior a, a messiah that was going to be the one true king that would liberate Israel once and for all, from all oppressive powers, anyone that came against it, that God was sending someone that would be the one time true and almighty king. They just could not imagine what that was gonna look like. So kind of we're gonna look at that context, a little bit of thinking of it in that way, but how we can bring that over into our lives today and what the Christ can mean to us personally this year. Look, I have no desire to just simply teach a Christmas message. I've been a senior pastor now, I think, for 10 years. No, it's longer than that. It's like 13 years. These 13 years, and and every year, if you're doing multiple Christmas messages, you know, you could just kind of get into the flow of just, oh, let me crank out another. No, I don't want to do that today. What I want to do today is I want to preach the Word of God that inspires your heart and motivates you to view Christmas in a different light than you've ever viewed it before, so that you can have an experience with Christ. Who wants an experience with Christ today? I want an experience with Christ. I want to know Him more than I've ever known Him today, this year. I don't want to just go through the motions and make Christmas about a bunch of routines that I've been through 50 times. I want to make it about something unique and I want to see something brand new. I, I, I had a. A teacher one time, a Bible teacher, that asked me and the the group that we were with to write down the meaning of a particular verse and and gave us a few minutes to do it. But write 10 different meanings for this verse that only had, I mean, it was just a very simple verse. Uh, For we know that all all things work together for the good of those who love him or call according to his purpose. Write 10 different meanings for that. And you got five minutes to write down 10. I was like, I don't even know if I can write one. And so we were writing, you know, we were, I'm, I'm young, I was you know, 14 years old. And so I'm writing down these meanings and all of a sudden I get one idea and I get another one and I get another one and I get another one and I'm stuck. But I see everyone else is still writing. I keep writing, I keep writing, I keep writing. And finally, I had more than 10. Uh, At the end of the allotted time and what I started discovering is that the more I started looking at it, the more I started going into that one verse, I found a myriad of meanings that were more profound than the first one that occurred to me. Who believes in the same way that you can hear the story of Christmas a hundred times, but if you let it sink deep in your heart, God will begin to reveal to you through the Holy Spirit something that you've never seen before. And that's what I'm asking for today. That's what I'm asking the Lord to do in our lives today. So first John. Uh, one through four, John is, is testifying, literally testifying about the validity of knowing Jesus personally, the Messiah. So John is trying to present this gospel in a way that will convince Jews, in a way that will convince everyone that hears it, that Jesus was a real person. He was an actual physical person that they knew. That's the purpose of this book to validate what Christ did. He said that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, seen, looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest. We've seen it testify. He's using, using legal terms. By the way, all of these things the, the language that he's using scholars have identified the language. It's all extremely legal. He's basically saying, I swear in a court of law that I have seen everything that we have said. I have been a personal witness to it. This truly happened. Somebody say this happened. He said, which, uh, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That we we're just singing about manifest. That, that which we have seen and heard and proclaim also to you so that. Why is he telling you? So that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the father and his son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So what John is saying is in, in, in this book, first, John, is that if you believe what I'm saying, you will get the opportunity to know the same Jesus that I have personally known. And once you know him, and I know that this message is being passed on, then my joy will be complete in knowing that you have experienced. I'm gonna to talk to you today, part two of Journey to the Manger. This one is called The Christ. Father, I ask in Jesus' name for your Holy Spirit to continue to move in this room, continue to open our hearts, and let us have an experience with you today. Just revelation about who you are, about the beauty, the power, the wonder of the incarnation, the, the fulfillment of scripture, The in Christ himself that we should celebrate and appreciate and we should weigh against every area of our life. It should be the most pivotal moment in history to us that Christ came to the earth to become one of us so that he could eventually go to the cross for our sins. We celebrate this. We honor it today. Let us hear it for the first time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, when you think about the way you start a great story. If you're going to tell a little kid a story, what are the first words that you normally say? Once a, oh, oh, Chad said, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Chad, I, I see. I, oh, you didn't say that? Okay, I just made that up. I just made that up. No, I'm kidding. So there are, there are certain phrases that when you use them, you know that it's going to tell you a story. They're kind of classic ways to introduce a story. Now, I'll tell you, Once Upon a Time is great. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, that's iconic. You can see those words just coming up the screen. You know you're about to see something from Star Wars. But I'm about to read you a really good one, and it's long. Okay, I'm just going to tell you straight up. This is really long. Okay, so just we're going to – we need to read it, though, because it's here. It says, This is the genealogy of Jesus – the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. (laughs) Listo? Okay. Ready? Okay. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nash, of Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, Jesse the father of King David, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, Solomon the father of Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jerem, Jerem, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Amon. Amon, the father of Josiah. Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubel the father of Abihud, Abihud, the father of Elakim, Elakim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zadok, Zaduk the father of Achim, Achim, the father of Elihud, Elahud the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of Mathan, Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph. Amen. By the way, these are not nobodies. These are all very well known people through scripture. These, these are huge figures in the Bible and and we finally end up here at Joseph the husband of Mary and Mary was the mother of Jesus who is called the Messiah this is far superior to once upon a time because this is not saying you know once upon, once upon, there was Bobby the snowman, Billy the snowman, Jeannie the snowman, uh, you know, and then it finally, and that was the father to Frosty. No, that's not what it's saying. <laughs> this is real. This is really important for us in a season where we're, you know, seeing Will Ferrell walking around in an elf costume and we're, we're watching all of these fantastical you know, TV shows all over the place or these things that we can't distinguish fact from fiction. This happened. This is the history, the genealogy of Jesus that is trackable. Every person in his lineage is trackable. This is not fantasy. It's not mystery. It happened. Somebody say, this happened. This is not Rudolph. This is not someone's grandparent getting killed by a reindeer. (laughs) These names are here because it happened. God actually became a man, a human being, through this lineage. We know exactly the lineage. And when we dig into this idea, John is testifying, I've seen this, we've seen this, Now, in the book of Matthew, it's testifying. Here's what it looks like. Here's where he comes from. This is not someone we made up. This is the person that the Bible has been talking about for hundreds of years. He lived. He existed. He did the things that he said he was going to do. He said, we have seen with our eyes, looked with our hands. We have touched. We proclaim concerning him. Concerning the word of life, he says, this life appeared and we have seen it and testify to it. There are people that are out there in the world. You've got YouTube, you've got Instagram, TikTok, all these people that are these instalogians. You know, I don't know, it's a terrible word. It's like, they're not theologians. It's like, they're people that just say stuff all over the place and people listen to them. And it's crazy because people come up with all these ridiculous Concepts where they say, well, I believe, I don't know if I believe in in the actual birth of Christ, but I believe that God loves us. And I believe they don't believe in the incarnation. Some people don't believe in the resurrection. I don't believe in this stuff. They say, well, that's a doctrine in itself is I don't believe the doctrine of the incarnation. Well, you have just told me a doctrine. You have your own doctrine. Your doctrine is that you don't believe. But the Bible's doctrine is that it actually happened. It's important for us to speak about these events as they have happened. Not as something that, well, I put it out there, everyone can believe what they want. No, it happened. It's not debatable whether the sun is in the sky right now. We see it. We feel it's light everywhere. It's not debatable whether the world has a savior. If it didn't, we'd be lost forever. But Jesus is real. It's paramount that we believe this. We need to be celebrating this year with the most wonderful excitement about the fact that Christmas is about the fulfillment of a prophecy, we have a savior. We don't have to wait. Can you imagine if we were here today? Come on, give God a praise. Can you imagine if we were here today and my message to you was be patient, he's coming. Now, Now, I mean, we know about the return of Christ, but I'm talking about be patient, the Messiah is going to eventually come. But until then, you know, let's let's sacrifice the lamb at at Passover. Let's let's make sure that all of our sins are washed away, that we're doing, you know, fulfilling every piece of the law to to, to the nth degree. Because if not, and we're in the lamb is not sacrificed at the right time and we die in the wrong way, we'll be eternally separated from God. We're not talking about any of that. We have the Messiah. We have Jesus. He is ours and we are his. You need to believe that Christ was born as a virgin. You need to believe that this actually happened. You say, well, I don't know if I believe that that actually happened, but I still believe in Jesus. I find it interesting that people have a... I think it's hard to believe in a virgin birth. I, I, you know, people always say, well, the one thing in all of Scripture that I can't believe is that Jesus was raised from the dead. That's, 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 I mean, I hear a lot of people say that. It's hard to believe that someone was raised from the dead. I think you should have a way bigger problem with Jesus being born of a virgin than the idea that someone could be raised from the dead. We've seen people raised from the dead before that, that are dead, and they're laying down in a, in, a, in a morgue, and then somehow they get up. It's, you know some of it is supernatural, some of it has to do with just biology at times. They thought someone was dead or their heart quit beating and it beats again. But in the case of Jesus, believing in Christmas takes a lot of faith. We have to regard this as an event worth celebrating. Easter is worth celebrating because he came out of that grave. But Christmas is worth celebrating because he came at all. He was born to a virgin. It's the greatest miracle in history. The life, as John calls him. Not a life, but the life. Somebody say the life. The The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John says that he saw the glory of God, that Jesus is the glory of God. Isn't it interesting that people want to go around authority? They want to go around authority. I hear people all the time. I was listening to someone on a news channel the other night. He said, well, that's not what my God is like. Yeah, but to me, God is this and God is that. And what people want to do is they want to circumnavigate Christ and go directly to God. But there is a huge problem with that. John 1.18 says, no one has ever seen God. But the one and only son who himself God, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. What is that's like saying, Well, I wanna I wanna see the Son. Well, buddy, don't look at it. Don't look at it unless you've got a very creative way of using some kind of paper or some kind of, you know, uh, you know that's why you ever, remember the eclipse, you know, the eclipse, we got them glasses or you use that weird little reflector You're like, oh, I see it on the paper. Why? Because you don't want to go blind. If you try to look directly at the sun, you have no retinas left. In the same way, Jesus is the express image of God, where when we look at Christ, we can see God in Jesus because he is God. But it's the way, it's the lens through which we view God. So today, as we're celebrating this momentous occasion of Christmas, let us remember it. It's Jesus coming so that we can actually see God. We don't have to go through some random priest. Jesus has become our high priest. For we have not a high priest, as Hebrews chapter four says, that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Jesus knows everything that we've ever been through, and he is the high priest. Isn't it crazy? He's also the lamb. (laughs) He's everything in one for us. Praise the Lord. I'm going to start shouting in a second. That's why, and this is not going to be a long message today. That's why when, when John is saying here. That which we have seen and heard, which we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Listen. If you're here today and you're not living in victory. If you're here today and you're not living with inspiration. If you're here today and you're not living with joy. If you're watching online and you don't have joy overflowing. What John is saying is I want you to go back then. And remember what happened. I want you to recognize what actually happened with Jesus coming to earth for us. Celebrate the Savior. Celebrate the coming of the new Messiah celebrate once again so that my joy can be complete and I can know that you actually know him because you have fellowship with him. Hebrews chapter 10 says this. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, somebody say confidence, to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus for a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, which is his body, what is the curtain in the temple, that holy place? The veil, the curtain separated the holy of holies where you could not personally approach it. It was a place, place that only the high priest was able to go. But, but this is calling Jesus' body the curtain. And when his body was broken, it ripped the veil in two, which gave us unbridled access to the presence of the Holy Spirit forevermore. We have access to the presence of God, the manifest presence of God. There is no excuse to live in sadness and depression and defeat and being overcome and overwhelmed by the enemy. Not when we have this kind of access to come right into the throne room. Therefore, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. That Somebody say boldly. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What do we do? We forget that Jesus was really our Messiah. We forget that he came here knowing how flawed we are. We forget that he went to the cross knowing every one of our sins in advance and making restitution for them before we ever did them. We forget and we start to try to figure it out on our own and do everything right. And our confidence goes high and low and up and down. And our self-worth is fluctuating all over the place instead of boldly coming before the throne of grace and saying, thank you, Jesus, for being my Messiah. Thank you for coming to earth to live the life that I could not live. It couldn't have happened unless you had become a human being. It couldn't have happened without the incarnation. But you did it for me. This is something we must do daily. I mean, especially annually at Christmas time, spending a few weeks thinking about what this means. This is powerful. It says, since we have, say it again, say confidence. Confidence. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way, open to us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, that's Jesus. Listen, what we should do with this knowledge. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Draw near to him today with a sincere heart. Come to him honestly as you are not trying to be more than you are. Less than you are. No false humility with God. He knows exactly what we're thinking, right? The Bible calls him, He who searches the hearts. It says, a sincere heart and with the full assurance, woo, the full assurance that faith brings. My Lord, how good is assurance? Isn't assurance wonderful to know that you're in, you've been invited? That you're a part of the team. You're a part of the family. You're a part of the club. You absolutely know that you know that you know that something is going to happen. You are assured. All of your fears have been quelled completely. Somebody say, I have full assurance that faith brings. Faith brings. Quit repeating me. Faith brings me. No, quit repeating me. Faith. That- I just want you to repeat the other part. It's going to be a long service if we do that the whole time. <laughs> faith, true faith, brings me full assurance. So what happens if you don't have, what's, what has happened if you don't have full assurance? You may not be operating in true faith. What am I trying to do? Today, I'm trying to illustrate the things that lead us to true faith. The things that remind us of true faith. Because our faith can get off track if we don't center it and re-center it on God's word. That's why I'm talking about what Christmas means. And you're like, well, I've kind of heard some of this before. I thought this was going to be interesting and new. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting and new to remind ourselves of what God's word says. So we can be centered in our life. Listen, it says a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings. Woo! Having our hearts Sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Ooh. Anybody have a guilty conscience? I do sometimes. I, 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 sometimes I let shame, guilt, things that, mistakes I've made, things in my life, I, I let them overwhelm me sometimes. But that's why I've got God's word, right? That's why we have his word. It says, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water Jesus is the living water can somebody say amen today having our bodies so it's talking about our conscience is holy and our bodies are holy this is what happens when we remember what Christmas actually is this is what happens when we put our wrap our hearts and minds around the incarnation we remember why Jesus came in the first place he came to be our king And to be our Messiah, so he could ultimately become our high priest and set us free so we don't have to live our life from day to day with a guilty conscience. We don't have to live our life with filthy hands, continually and habitually going back to the same sinful behaviors that have dominated us for months or weeks or years. You are more than a conqueror through him that loved us. That's what the Bible tells us. You are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer today. You are not bound to the past. You don't. What does a guilty conscience do? It reminds you of your past. And what this is teaching us is Jesus came. So we don't have to be chained to our past. But instead, we get an open door to our future. I feel like I'm preaching much better than you're leaning on today, but I'll just just go back and watch it when I get home on YouTube and I'll say amen to myself, all right? That's fine, I can live with that. I'm secure. (laughs) So, in closing, I know you don't believe me, but it is, I am gonna close. In closing, when we look at the Old Testament in the book of Micah, chapter five, it refers specifically to Bethlehem Ephrata. Bethlehem Ephrata, not just Bethlehem, but Ephrata was a part of Bethlehem that was the agricultural region of Bethlehem. This is, look in Micah 5 yourself, it says it right there, Ephrata. That is a specific part of Bethlehem, and by the way, David grew up around there, and that he gave a piece of his land to be forever known as the watchtower of the flock. And the watchtower of the flock, this is interesting that the Bible is saying that the Messiah is gonna come from Bethlehem Ephrata. Why does it mention that? Not just Bethlehem, but Bethlehem Ephrata. And when David gave this particular land For the watchtower of the flock, do you know what the watchtower of the flock was? It was specifically for keeping the flock that every year would produce the Passover lamb. The actual Passover lamb. So according to rabbinical tradition, the the high priest would come every year before Passover. And when they were choosing the spotless, blameless lamb, that was going to be presented on the behalf of the people. It had to be a perfect lamb. That's why there was the watchtower of the flock so they could watch over and have a tower. And and actually the remains of this place exist. This This is historical stuff. You can look it up and it's a place where they looked to make sure that the flock was okay because if there was one scratch, one blemish, one broken bone, anything on that lamb, it would not be valid and it would not qualify And the sins of the people would not be omitted. They would not be blotted out. Listen to what other studies have uncovered. Did you know that in this rabbinical tradition, when the high priest would come select this lamb? Do you know that they would inspect it by laying it in a manger? Did you know that they would wrap that lamb up in swaddling clothes to take it to the temple? Why? They didn't lead it. They didn't want to lead it. They didn't want it walking because if it was spotless, something could happen from that point to the temple. So they held it like a baby. So the very place that our Messiah was prophesied to be born was the place where God had already accepted a sacrificial lamb for his people on an annual and regular basis. When Jesus was born in that manger and wrapped in swaddling clothes, he wasn't, God just wasn't sending us a king. He was sending us a one-time sacrifice for all sins. That's why that passage of Scripture in 1 John where he says, we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So that you, at the end of Hebrews chapter 10, which says, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, it goes on to say, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. What is your hope centered in today? Because where you place your hope is essential. To how you experience your joy. Where you place your hope is essential into how you experience your joy. So if your hope is in Christ today, if your hope is in that little baby in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes, by the way, remember the shepherds? When the angels appeared to the shepherds, why? What do shepherds do? They watch over sheep. And Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from the foundations of the earth. So when we see that passage about the shepherds, why would he appear to shepherds? There's your answer. All of these things tell an incredible, beautiful, prophetic story that lead us to this moment today where I hope that you experience a true revelation about the beauty of who the Christ is, the fact that his coming was foretold hundreds of years in advance. He fulfilled every one of those prophecies. I read you the genealogy. I read every name in them. I don't know if I pronounced them all correctly, but I tried. We've seen that this is real, and there's a reason for us to hope today. There's a reason for us to hope. If you've lost your joy you might have placed your hope in the wrong place. Put your hope in this Savior today. Now, I'll leave you with this scripture. I love Philippians 1.6. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you. Somebody say, he who began a good work in me. That means he started the good in you, not you. That's why so many people are like, I remember the day I found Christ. No, you don't. Yeah, he, he came looking for you. As a matter of fact, he says, I, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus was on a rescue mission for us. He found me at my lowest point. It says, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It means he started it in me and he's going to finish it in me if I don't get it in the way. I want to get out of his way and let him and you know here's the problem is when we don't live in this joy when we don't live in this hope I want you to listen very closely to what I'm about to say Jesus is not getting what he paid for anybody ever paid for a meal that was below the standards of what you paid for please don't mention the name of the restaurant Anybody ever paid good money for something and and it failed to live up to the standards? I remember one time me and my friend, when we were, my my best friend, I think I was 23. This is like way before the internet was very popular. But we got a brochure to go to Jamaica. He said, I found this this gorgeous hotel. Let's go to Jamaica. I'd never even been out of the country. So we go to Jamaica. This place literally looked like a palace. It It was like a movie. We pulled up. It was an absolute dump. I ordered pizza. The guy was like, do you want ganja? I'm like, yeah, I had, you know, I had pineapple too. I didn't even know what that was. I mean, it's, I guess it's drugs, you know? so anyways, I thought you put it right on the pizza, you know? So yeah, it was pretty weird. Um, it, was, it was not a nice place. Uh, it was not a nice place. I'm like, wow, that's some interesting uh, pizza they have down here. I was, wow, that's wow. Um, let's just put it this way. I didn't get what I paid for. Uh, and the, let me get very serious for a second. If you are not living with the confidence and the hope and the joy of Christ in your life every single day, this Messiah that came from heaven to that manger and to that cross for you is not getting what he paid for. It's not that you deserve, I deserve to be happy, I deserve. He deserves for you to be confident. He deserves for you to have joy. He deserves for you to be an overcomer. He deserve, Because he's paid for it already. He paid for every bit of it already. Somebody say, I'm an overcomer. Somebody say, I am more than a conqueror. I don't know, we're just going to sing a song right now. Just gonna. What key are you in? Hold on, hold on. Okay, go from G to A. Go, go, from G. I'm an overcomer. A, A. I'm more G than a conqueror. A. Say, I'm an overcomer. A, yeah. I'm more than a conqueror. Somebody say, say, I'm an overcomer. I am more than a little faster. Say I'm an overcomer. I am more than a conqueror. Somebody saying, say I'm an over. Say I'm more, stand up. I'm more. I'm an overcomer I'm an overcomer. I am more if that's weird or not that just came out of my spirit right there that you are an overcomer today you are more than a conqueror today through him that loved us this christmas message is not some stinking postcard it's not something that you hang up on a strand of things that people have sent you for the last 20 years and create a decoration in your house it is a living Christ, It is a living Messiah that came to earth for me and you. There's a history of it. We should be living in the joy that comes from the hope that we have in Christ. So today, I'm just going to give you an opportunity. Every person in this room, if you could just bow your heads and close your eyes. If you do not know the Lord or you're watching online, you do not know Jesus. Today is the day for you to get candid with God. To stop trying to deceive him and act like you have things figured out, figured out to admit you are in desperate need of the savior. And it must be important if God went through all the trouble I just described to send a savior for you, it must be important. And the human condition must be way worse than we've estimated. If God was willing to go through all of that. And if that's you today, you say, I'm tired of trying to save myself. I'm trying tired of trying to figure out from day to day if I've got enough confidence. I'm tired of trying to figure out from day to day if I'm going to deal with shame today and let it win or if I'm going to be a victim. I'm ready to put my faith in Christ and to live a life of an overcomer. I'm ready today to surrender my will and my heart to Jesus Christ. If that's you, no one looking around right now, right now, lift your hand up in the air, right now, immediately, go. Hands up in the air if that's you. Hands going up all over the room, all of them. If you're watching online and that's you, put your hand up in the air and then type boldly in the chat, I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Anyone else, I don't want to miss anyone today because there's hands all over the room. This is awesome. Praise the Lord. People needing Christ. It's one thing to just say, yeah, I go to church, I believe in God. It's another thing to be a Christian, to put your saving faith, In Christ by the person of the Holy Spirit that's what you're doing right now I believe that's what's happening all over this room if your hand is in the air I'm gonna ask you to repeat this prayer with me out loud say I ask you Jesus to forgive me of my sins thank you so much for coming to earth for me being born in a manger going to the cross being raised from the grave for my sins so that I could have confidence in you. I could be an overcomer in you. Thank you for the journey to the manger that has led me to this moment of surrendering my heart to your will. Save me, Lord, and I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Come on, could we give God an amazing praise today? This concludes the teaching.